You've just been out filming recently, haven't you? Yeah, so um, I uh, we've had a busy, I'm sure we're all doing, uh, you know, different things at the moment. I heard you were on a very large DTS. I'd love to hear about that. We, we were, I am just about to record about 10 video podcasts for a kind of a, a series called Guardians of the Flame. Some of you have heard of a documentary I made and podcast, but um, I was just sharing with you Tova the other day, and I think it's an encouraging story that for me, I think it's it's good for all of us in YWAM. Um, I was up in the very north of Northern Ireland in a town called Derry. Well, actually, the British call it London Derry, the Irish Catholics call it Derry. Um, but I was interviewing two people, or three people. One was a former Protestant paramilitary. One was in. One had been in the IRA, and the other one was this lady, amazing lady, who um, her husband uh, was turned chained to a van by the IRA and turned into a human bomb. Oh my and God. his wife and kids were held at gunpoint, and he was told, "If you don't drive this van into the army barracks, we'll blow you up, or we'll kill your wife and kids." So. He did. He did that. He drove it in, but as shouting out the window for everyone to run away. Um, in the end, of course, he was killed and five soldiers were killed. Um, but as we talked, we realized that this lady, Kathleen, the widow of this man, had become very good friends with this lady who had been in the IRA, the organization that killed Kathleen's husband. And I just watched as they talked about their story. The lady, Anne, who'd been in the IRA, told about how she first confessed that she had been in, involved in this activity and she expected this group of people she was talking to, including Kathleen, to shout at her and go, what are you doing? And as she finished her talk, she put her head down to try to hide her face and she felt these two arms around her. And she looked up and Kathleen, whose husband was killed by the same organization that Anne worked for, um, was hugging her and tears in her eyes. And I, I just felt very moved doing it about grace, you know, and grace is, I think C.S. Lewis once was asked, what's the distinctive about the Christian religion? And he said, grace is the word. I think Philip Yancey talked about that in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. And yeah, we need grace. We need grace in YWAM. We need grace in our lives as Christians. And um, that's the, that's been on my heart as these last few days. So, but what about you, Tova? You were just in on a BTF, which I found very inspiring to hear. Yes. Big yes, it was it was quite um, exciting being in a real classroom again with real students, not just over Zoom. So I was in a DTS in Kristiansand in Norway. So I had to come up there with my negative COVID test and uh, 10 days in quarantine before getting to teach. Thankfully, overlooking the sea and it was a beautiful location. Mm. But I was also happy to get out after the 10 days. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so it's a DTS with 40 students, um, 36 um, Norwegian students and four internationals and 25 staff. So that was a, it was amazing. And of course, you were upholding all the corona rules and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it was strict like that. And thankfully, they also they haven't had a single case. But uh, mm -hmm. just beautiful being there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think we'll, we could start to get into what we want to do. I think yes, we, we usually cool. do a, a quick um, mm -hmm. a quick advert about the ELLC. So maybe I'll just say a couple of things. Uh, most of you watching this, uh, well, I'm sure you're watching it on the Facebook uh, group. 
Um, but also the videos are available on the ELLC website, Europe um, uh, LC dot org. Uh, sorry, Belinda will put the the uh, the uh, website uh, address. Um, so you might be watching it on that website, or but most people probably want to watch it on the Facebook group. We we're at about 960 um, members of that group, which is great. And to be honest, you know, most of them are European staff or European leaders. Some are in other parts of the world who either used to work in Europe or they're about to move to Europe. Um, so you're all welcome. But we just want to encourage you if you're watching this and you know that there are people on your base that, that aren't connected into this network, just to invite them and, and let's try to get up to, we'd love a, a thousand people by Christmas if possible. So if you know there's people who really could be benefiting from the resources on the ELLC, uh, invite them along uh, to this group. And so it, there's so much, uh, so many resources already that we're accumulating even in just three, four months that we've been going. Maybe i just say one quick thing. Uh, as a base here in Ross Trevor in Northern Ireland, we we had a staff meeting a couple of weeks ago and I decided let's watch the, TED, the LDX talk that Tova did. So it's about 10 minutes long and it's a brilliant talk, Tova. Very good. It's, and it's so short. It's 10 minutes. Very easy to watch. So we watched it as a staff meeting and then we broke into threes and had a discussion, came back. Uh, and then the next week we took Andy Kennedy's uh, talk where he talked a lot about young people and the next generation and we did the same thing. So we just encourage you to, and, and actually the month before we took Maureen Menard's interview that we did with her uh, during the lockdown and and we watched that together as a staff actually over two meetings so we just encourage you to use the resources these 10-minute talks the drop-in panel discussions which will be next week the leadership lounge interviews um, the wrap-up kind of message there's lots there um, so we just want to encourage you to use it either individually personally or if you're leading a base or a team it's a great way for you just to bring some more teaching into your into a staff meeting time. So, yeah, and, and we encourage you to sign up on the website. We have nearly a thousand on the Facebook group, but uh, you know, a couple of hundred on the who are signed up on the website. And the website, you know, it's it's meant to be a place where there'll be more resources available there. So, we encourage you to to sign up. Go to the that website. The Belinda will have put a link underneath this. And um, log, uh, register and uh, and join in that conversation. So, so Tova, you want to start us off and introduce our guest for today? Sure, it's an honor for me to introduce to you Andreas Nordli, and he's a national leader in uh, in Norway, but he's also part of the leadership in Northern Europe as well as in Europe. So he's one of the conveners for Northern Europe. He is uh, many of you would know him. <clears throat> Uh, he serves both within Wyvern, but I'd say also outside of Wyvern. He's very um, active uh, and active networker, also in the body of Christ in Norway and outside of Norway. He is married to Osne, who is an artist. Um, in many ways, actually, she's a singer, and, and but she's also an artist in, in making pottery and many other things. She can paint, she can multi, multi-talented. Together, they have five children. So you can say there's fruitfulness both in ministry and in family. Uh, he's pioneered uh, with his wife, Vibram Constanza, in, in Romania, and uh, also part of overseeing the work there in Romania for quite some years. Um, 
One thing I learned today is he did his DTS in 1994, and in order to support himself to do that DTS, he sold his record collection. <clears throat> so that's a, that's one way of you know creating um, income, I, I guess. Uh, otherwise, there's much that can be said about Andreas. He is an, a, very much an apostolic leader. He's a visionary leader. He is a leader of leaders. He uh, he trains. Uh, leaders on many different levels and um, he was part of uh, one of the the ones that kind of uh, gave leadership to this LTS the last one as well as part of the leadership of the next one uh, LTS here in uh, in Europe he gathers leaders he multiplies leadership and and um, is a very gifted both speaker but also manager uh, in, in order to, to create leadership, different leadership levels. I think he is one of the, probably our most gifted organizational uh, leaders as well we have in Europe, I'd say. Um, so thank you, Andreas. I could say so much more, including some fun things, but I'll stop here. And uh, I hear that you have some friends that may pull some pranks on you online, so you'll probably hear some secrets, I don't know. Uh, but let's just stop there. So, so just so you could be with us. So welcome, Andreas. Thank you. Thank you, Tove. And uh, today's topic, that is maximizing life uh, and ministry fruitfulness. And I suppose that there'll be some debriefing evaluation, you know, uh, uh, in there as well, as that's part of, of, uh, of maximizing leadership, I guess. But before we go any further, Andreas, would you um, just tell us just a little bit of your story, your, your Wyvern story, if you don't mind? Yeah. Uh... I was saved in YWAM actually when I was uh, 17, 17 and a half. I kind of grew up in a Christian home, but uh, Jesus was not Lord at all uh, in my life. And uh, somehow I ended up at uh, the place where I'm sitting now at Grimerud, the main base of YWAM in Norway at the, at the youth camp. And uh, I thought I came to them to Matt's house. I was scared to death almost, literally. And I wanted to go home because my, my friend had a driver license. He was 18, so he wanted to stay, so I stayed. <laughs> and uh, later on during the camp, camp, I decided to make Jesus Lord of my life. And um, I kind of understood back then, now in retrospect, that God, I think God called me to, to join YBAM. Um, Basically, for the rest of my life, I have. So I'm kind of saying now that I, I'm called to called to missions. I'm called to expand the kingdom, obviously, but also I'm called to the organization of YWAM. So, did my DTS when I was 19 and moved to Romania when I was 22. Met my wife here at Grimerud at the camp as well, and we got married when we were 21. Got our first child. Uh, a year and a half later, and then moved to uh, Romania. That was crazy. Uh, but uh, YWAM was crazy enough to send us. And uh, yeah, I've been in YWAM ever since, more or less, and um, took on leadership for YWAM in Norway in 2009. And here we are. Beautiful. Thank you. I don't know if there's any, if you could just add a little bit from your time in Constanza, your pioneering um, time there. Just so we, yeah. see, we see you as a big leader here in Europe, but you also were part of, you know, the very pioneering in Constanza, I know. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy because I think after I did my, or actually before I did my DTS, I joined a short-term mission trip uh, with YWAM to, to Romania, and we ended up in Constanza, my, my, my Osne, who then 
was my my girlfriend. She she was part of that team and um, went twice to to Romania to the same place, and then we got married. Went the third time, and um, basically uh, we didn't have a plan to start a YWAM base, but we were 22, turning 23 that year when we moved there, and we just had a kind of a relational relational invitation from 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 a Pentecostal church to join their church planting project so we we just moved there um, said let's let's think three years uh, you know first and we thought three years was the rest of our lives <laughs> and uh, and joined the church planting and learned Romanian first of all um, and uh, um, very involved with a, in a few villages planting a few churches there together with uh, with some Romanian uh, Romanians and uh, and without us having a vision for it, um, it became a YWAM base. Um, people came to start a DTS and then God spoke to us about seeing Romanians being released to the nations, transforming Romania from being a mission field to be a mission force. So YWAM Romania then in the late 90s, early 2000, were part of sending out the first uh, Romanian missionaries in the history of, of the evangelical church uh, in, in Romania. And... Um, yeah, uh, the thing then was that we, we also understood that God didn't call us to Romania for the rest of our lives. So I was keen to move to Turkey to find a big city uh, with no Christians and then to start churches there. But then God um, called us back to Norway and here we are. Uh, then I didn't understand, you know, why would we go back to Norway? But later I, I understood. Wow. Yeah, Andreas, I, I remember uh, leading an outreach to Constanza in about, actually, I didn't lead the outreach. I was visiting it in um, early 2000s. I don't know if you were still there, but Miriam, uh, you married Chris, Chris and Miriam here in Sweden now, were there at the time. And yeah, I was impressed with what, what the base was doing then with street kids, and it was great work. Yeah, Miriam, she took on leadership in 2003 after us. Mm. So um, we just want to go into some questions. Before we kind of dig maybe more into areas of maximizing fruitfulness, um, I'd just like to kind of reflect or hear your reflections on kind of leadership in, in YWAM. I remember hearing uh, Steve Mayers talk about, you know, comparing himself with uh, other people like maybe Jeff Fountain or Lynn Green or, you know, and all leaders have different focuses, you know. Um, for Steve, he's very much seen his, himself focusing internally in YWAM and helping develop leaders. You know, Jeff Fountain was very much a networker. A lot of his work was with the body of Christ, uh, doing Hope for Europe events. Um, and then some leaders are much more evangelistic. You know, they're out organizing, uh, you know, out not even in the church world. Um, and you seem to be someone who kind of straddles a lot of these kind of areas. You're doing church work, but you're also you know, running LTS for YWAM, and uh, can, do you have some kind of reflection on that, and, and what it, what's it like to be a leader, um, and to be a balanced leader, and hold that balance between these different areas? Oh, man, that, I mean, that is a very, very important question, I think. I think, first of all, um, the mistake we often do is that we compare ourselves, you know, um, Obviously, for me, when I took on leadership in YWAM uh, for Norway in 2009, uh, it was it would have been very easy for me to compare myself with uh, with Alf, Alf Magnus, who used to be the, the leader uh, before me. He was leading YWAM in Norway for 23 years. Extremely gifted man, extremely respected, and a father in our nation. And 
extremely uh, uh, competent in so many areas. And and I think it would have been very easy for me to compare myself with him, uh, kind of wanting his gift sets, uh, his personality. Uh, but I think doing that would be a great great mistake because I need to lead out of who I am, my personality, my my gifts, my interests, uh, who I who am, uh, who I am, and I think you know, like Steve says, you know, comparing himself, you know, with Lynn and with Jeff, it's easy to fall into the trap of comparison, and and I think that is it's a dangerous road to go. Even though we, I mean, we are all human, so. We can't avoid it, but uh, but still, I think we need to. You know, I learned that I need to lead out of who my my giftings and my personalities. You know, and I love as a person, I love doing new things. I'm probably an entrepreneur, you know, by nature, and and I love start. I hate finish things, but I love starting things. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think now I think you know you got to find out who you are and what you like to do, and then lead out of that. Yeah. So um, our theme uh, for the month, really, we're adding resources around the area of maximizing fruitfulness. And, and of course, one of the ways we can maximize fruitfulness, you know, uh, Tom Bloomer talked about pruning. Um, uh, well, one of the ways is to evaluate your work, what needs to be pruned and what needs is growing. And um, you can you tell us a bit about your experience with that theme of kind of evaluation, debriefing experiences so you can build healthily? Yeah, I think I think you know um, assessment and evaluation is is very important as a leader. Uh, unless you are able to evaluate, um, first of all, you need something. You know, you need a starting point to evaluate from. So you need a baseline. Um, uh, you need to have goals, and then you evaluate. You know, uh, where are you now according to your goals? So we've we've tried. We, we I personally set goals um, every year, every not every month perhaps, but at least every year with priorities. And then I try to lead according to those priorities. And then I evaluate as well according to the priorities and the goals that we've, we've set. Um, so okay. it's not it's not, so very, it's not really complicated. It's, to me, it's, you know, I've tried, the simple thing is that I've, I've just tried to hear from God and then do what God say and then after a while, ask the question, how is it going? Am I succeeding? Am I not succeeding? And if I'm not succeeding, I ask why? Is it because I'm doing it wrong or um, is it because it's not working? And then I quit doing it if it's not working. Um, it's, it's not so complicated, actually. It's, it's, quite, it's quite simple. Hear from God and do, and do what he says and then figure out how it, how is it going after a while and then set some goals and then just start doing it and gather some people around you that can help you out with gifts that you don't have yourself. Mm. I mean, sounds very simple and it is in my mind, it is. <laughs> can you give us an example, like goals? Like what does that mean? Like you want to, your base, is it like you want to have this number of people or this number of schools or what would be a goal? Can you give me some examples of goals? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's goals on different levels. You know, for instance, here in the base where we are right now, um, a few weeks ago, um, I gathered uh, all the leaders for all the for for all the schools at our base, and and we sat down and we said, okay, in 2025, how would it look like uh, at our base? Uh, how many schools do we have? 
uh, now? What is the present situation? Uh, how is the leadership looking look like right now? And then in how would it look like in 2025, 2024, 2023, 2022, and 2021? And then look at, okay, how many schools do we have capacity of running? How many leaders do we need to train? Uh, how do we train these leaders? Um, what kind of schools do we want? And then together, we try to, to, to define uh, images of of the future and then have have ownership to those uh, objectives ownership to those goals um and then uh, start to work accordingly uh, with the strategies needed to do so so that's one way of doing it but i also i also have quite you know goals on a on a, on a personal level uh, i operate through what i call rules rules of life um on a personal level you know um when it comes to bible reading uh, comes to prayer time prayer times set prayers um rest keep the sabbath and and so forth so it's both goals on a personal level but it's also goals on uh, on on a corporate level so yeah I do both okay thanks yeah thank you andreas i i have some questions that go a little bit along that um i guess so you are juggling many areas of responsibility. I know that I work with you on some levels. So um, many levels of ministry, uh, all kinds of projects, networking with the body of Christ, teaching, relating to media, relating to le legal boards, and then uh, various large gatherings. Um, I know that you're also part of heading up the Ascend and, and, and other things in the future. And then you're also a family. No, how are you, um, what is your secret? I mean, so you're trying, it seems like you're maximizing on so many different levels. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a secret. <laughs> well, just try. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking and I have my journal in front of me and, and, and I'm, I'm journaling. Uh, just wanted to show, you know, um, some things here, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, as I said, I'm, I think, I think, you know, spiritual indifference. I don't know if that makes that word make sense for you, but I'm, I, unpack it. <laughs> yeah, I try to, I try to stay indifferent to what I can't impact. I try to stay indifferent to everything I can't do anything, you know, anything I, I can't, you know, work with and then um, leave that in God's hands so I won't carry burdens that I am not supposed to carry. Uh, try to stay indifferent to everything that is not God's, you know, what I sense is God's plan and purpose. But what I do, you know, my, my journal, I was just journaling, this is from October 10th, I call it rule of life, probably can't see it, but I'm trying to, to you know, write, I have four areas, rest, prayer, contemplation, hearing God, uh, relationships, and work. And I've kind of set some rules in my own life. Uh, this is how I'm operating, you know? So, so for instance, when it comes to, you know, so it's, it's holistic. It's not just, it's not just about spiritual work. It's a holistic approach to mm. life, um, mm. which means that uh, when it comes to, for instance, relationships is a part of it. Um, like it says here in my rules of life that you know once a month my wife and myself we go out uh, for a date it's part of our rhythm so it's very much about, about rhythms and and i know that unless i work with rhythms and set frames for my life i will i can't do it 
for instance, you know, uh, having 24-hour Sabbath every week planned. Uh, if I don't plan it, I won't be able to do it. Uh, rest, you know, I watch at least one football match a week, and it's part <laughs> of my it's a part of my weekly, you know, rhythm. And I do it, you know, with, without having bad conscience because I know that's as important as work. So, um, yeah. No, I think that's very good. I mean, it, it, it shows humanity as well, you know, that uh, that uh, you may be a superhuman, but, you know, it has to be room for, for, for soccer, for football. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. music. And music, yes, that's right. Yeah. That's very, and I know you are teaching your children that as well, you know, to value music. Isn't that correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was shocked the other day when I figured out what kind of music they were listening to. So I needed to do some. We needed to do some uh, quick music history lesson about all the good bands in the world. So, <laughs> so we were purchasing some records because Spotify is not allowed in our house. We Excellent. Music analog. analog. It's, it's allowed, but, you know. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's all about your Miles Davis, Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, you know, Billy Holiday. So we do the, the history lessons. It's important, you know, to teach the, the, the new generation about real music, not just Justin Bieber. <laughs> Good job. I think we have a topic for another talk another time. <laughs> um, I have another side question here. What do you think would be some key things that we as Vibrant Europe should be focusing on? in order to increase fruitfulness here in Europe? Well, yeah, that's... Uh... No, I think, I think that sometimes we, we tend in YWAM Europe to, to be YWAM-centric. Uh, our meetings um, goes around, you know, YWAM, um, and that's nothing wrong with that, but we need to talk about YWAM, but sometimes I, I think that in order to increase our fruitfulness, we need to talk about the world, the need, uh, our, you know, more than just, you know, internal YWAM things. Um, asking the question, what is what is the impact of YWAM in our region, our, our nation, uh, in our city, in, you know, let's, let's say five years, three years, next year, what is the traces of our ministry? Um, and I think um, it's so easy to become YWAM-centric in everything we do, but I think you know we need to you know we need to understand that we we don't exist for YWAM. YWAM is not the goal. Uh, yeah. We exist for the sake of the church and for the lost and for the kingdom of God to 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 be built. And um, I I kind of desire to see YWAM uh, in Europe. Um, don't care so much about why that anymore. I care about the lost, <laughs> about the kingdom and the church, the local church, to build that. Uh, <clears throat> that's kind of that's on my heart. Yeah, no, very good, Belinda. I hope you got that quote. I don't care so much about why, but the lost. Mm. Yeah, no, that's very good. Um, no, but I, th I think what John is doing in, in Ireland, for instance, so the work of reconciliation, I think that's just brilliant because yeah. it has not, I mean, he's doing it out of the context of YWAM, but it's, and it's, but it's building the kingdom, it's building the society, it's not building YWAM in that sense. And it's, I think that's how we are supposed to, that's what yeah. we are supposed to do. It's so true. And also you could ask the question, I mean, if we moved, if, if the base moved, or if you moved, you know, will you be missed? Yeah. You know, will you be missed? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I also carry okay. the burden of you know I, I carry the burden of, of of young people. I think if you you know 
if you look at the average age of, of YWAM leaders in, in Europe, it's, I think it's, it's, it's quite alarming if the average age increased with one year every year. And I'm afraid it's doing that. Uh, we need to release those 23-year-olds or 21-year-olds. And I think we need to redefine what is, what is young. And I think when, when, when you're turning, the year you turn 25, you're not young anymore. Then you're old and experienced. Uh, if you're 16, 18, 19, 21, then you're young. Uh, mm. So I think that we have some homework to do. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Um, yeah. I have this question that came in now from Shure. That's one of your co-workers. And uh, I'll probably get in trouble if I don't ask it. So what is the recommended fruit to eat while maximizing life? <laughs> recommended fruit? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, Shire is, Shire is a good friend, and he um, he said he would yeah. ask some very very important questions here. So thank you, Shire, for that important questions. We can talk about that later on. Okay. <laughs> um, Andreas, I wonder if uh, you know we you were just touching on something there that I guess is one of my favorite subjects. Uh, you know, YWAM doesn't exist for itself; we exist for the world. I think you've said well. You've said that before. I heard in a recent meeting I was in with you, and you said something like that now. Um, and uh, do you kind of have examples of where you're seeing that in Norway? I mean, my perspective, I've never been to Norway, actually, but I, I feel like you're a great, as a nation, or a great example of a healthy YWAM national work, you know, with releasing leaders, growing bases, doing new things in new ways. Can you share with the rest of Europe some kind of ways in which you see why I'm in Norway kind of really existing for for your culture and your society in a way? It's good that you believe that you're healthy. Uh, <laughs> let's hope it remains that way. No, at least we pretend to try to pretend. No, no, but I think um, no, uh, let's let's. Um, if you look at, for instance, you know, we are planning to do descent in, in Norway. And, and I think YWAM in Norway, we would have the capacity to do it ourselves. We could, we could run that event. We have, uh, we have the manpower and influence um, in Norway to convene, uh, to convene the nation uh, in the largest indoor facility. However, um, we've, we decided quite early that we, we don't want to have the YWAM label on it. We want it to be a, a kingdom event. So we invited now about 30 other organizations and, and denominations um, to stand behind it. So we, we, we share that uh, responsibility uh, with, um, with the kingdom, you know, with the other uh, brothers and sisters in our nations, in, in our nation. Um, and and uh, we're also sharing the, the, the resources there. So it's, I think it's a lot about sharing resources and not be so focused on, you know, um, what is the benefit of YWAM in what we're doing, um, not building our kingdom. Um, it's very tempting sometimes to, you know, to promote your own organization and to put the YWAM logo on everything you do. But, uh, I think that, uh, at least for me personally, it's more important to, you know, give room for others uh, to get the glory. And sometimes we do the dirty work behind the scenes, and I think that's that's okay. Yeah. Um, maybe a follow-up question. Um, you know, we're talking about maximizing uh, effectiveness and fruitfulness, and I, I suppose 
if any of us are leaders and we really do that well and we become very fruitful, the the challenge is then we become proud, you know, like look at look at how great I am, you know. Um, uh, so there's a pride and humility question there. But I suppose also the what is it that drives the success? Um, and that's something that I think I've been kind of trying to dig into a little bit. And I'd love to hear your thoughts because obviously if, if our drive for effectiveness is actually ego and self-promotion that's very unhealthy you know we might be we might be very effective and fruitful but it's kind of coming from an unhealthy drive you know whereas if our drive is the kingdom of god god's glory you know how do you kind of balance because i think there is a reality we're all human you know we have ego you know we have a sense of self how, how in your life do you try to kind of put your own ego down and and at the same time as being effective in ministry. Oh man. <laughs> no, but that is that is a real question. I think all leaders wrestle with. At least if you have some self-awareness, you wrestle with that question. And uh, no, I think I think from from my in my situation, uh, I think it's been very important to to make sure that I, I don't have, even though I'm, I'm, I'm leading YWAM in Norway, I don't have all authority in YWAM. Uh, we try to spread out uh, authority um, to more people. So that is a protection for me. So I won't make important decisions myself, but we have consensus-based team decisions, for instance. Um, trying to... Um, like, like for instance, now because you know I've been you know for twelve years now a, a leader, and 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 every week newspapers, national newspapers, write about YWAM, you know, in, in, in especially the Christian media, and, and and there's been a tendency over the last you know years that it's been my face that has been kind of the face of YWAM, but we. Well, we decided a few months ago that we need to change that because it's not su sustainable. Uh, we need more leaders. We need more faces um, from YWAM, more faces of leaders in YWAM Norway that is visible. Now, now, for instance, we're running a big campaign in, in, a, in a daily newspaper, Christian newspapers, about do you want to become a missionary? And then we are uh, it's a co-worker, co-leader of mine who's the face outward. And um, to try to, you know, to have more faces um, promoting, you know, who we are. And our vision um, so it's not just about me it's about more people so there are several things you can do but I think you know on the inside um, that's it's always a battle you know of I think we're all to a certain degree more or less narcissistic we are all self you know if you lack uh, self-awareness about that that then you can become a dangerous leader but if you have people around you who can hold you accountable um, that you live in a transparent transparency with people around you and that is a good starting point at least mm. yeah very good um, i have a question andreas and that's um now we met up actually in christiansand last week um and uh, it was to do with a transition of leadership and i know you've had quite a few transitions of leadership for good reasons uh, in norway also to hand over to younger leaders in many places um, and um, it was a joy being a part of this one, just seeing both um, the founders of the base and the next leaders, uh, who is actually, they have the Norwegian uh, record for being base leaders the longest, 21 years, I think. 
and then pointing out the next one. Um, so there was a solid, um, just a solid leadership from the beginning all the way. And you see there's just a, a new solid transition that is on its way. I wonder if you can say a little bit about, you know, the importance of good transitions. And, and um, I guess we can easily lose quite a bit of fruitfulness um, in transitions as well, oh, yeah. if not done well. Leadership transitions is one of the most difficult things to do as a leader. Um, there are so many traps to go into there. And I think, uh, first of all, leadership transitions takes more time than you think. It always, it always takes more time. And uh, um, I think that I've, I've also seen that some new leader want to break free from the old leader because they either feel threatened or they want to do everything new. Now we are going to see the big change. That is also unhealthy. I think that new leadership needs to stand on the shoulders of the former leadership for good and, you know, mostly for good, but also, you know, it's also standing on the shoulders of, of the not so good things that has happened and to embrace that as well. Um, but I think that um, now in the latest transitions we've done here in Norway, we've tried to, the old leaders, we tried to keep them in, um, in the loop. So we tried to create platform for them beyond the relational platform. So we tried to create a formal place for them uh, to continue to lead either in the leadership team on the base or in another kind of leadership capacity um, within YWAM because base leaders that have they've been base leaders for 15 years, 10 years, 20 years, they have incredible gift set and incredible competence that YWAM desperately need. But then also on the other hand, if the former leaders want to control the new leaders, um, that can also be, be a challenge. So, so I think we need to have those honest conversations about how new leadership would look like, um, expectations, uh, what kind of influence, what kind of impact would it former leadership carry? Um, uh, but it's 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 so fulfilling to see transitions happen well, and it's so sad when it's not happening well. And I've seen both. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe just to kind of follow up a little bit, um, just about we're talking about transition and base leadership, and um, I, I don't know what you think about this. This is kind of a reflection I've been having as I kind of try to figure out how to kind of maximize my role and get more people involved. And um, for instance, one, we have, you know, we have some, we have great leaders, and I realize that my ultimate goal for all of them is not that they become necessarily the base leader, you know. Um, I would hope that they my transition to change society somehow, you know, hopefully as a YWAMer, because I don't want to lose, you know, but, you know, I think sometimes if our mindset is just a base, we think, okay, who will lead the base? But then I want, I want a 25 year old to change Ireland, change the world, you know, I don't want him just to be a base leader, you know, so it, how, I don't know what your thoughts are about that too, you know, so. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I don't know, Johnny. Uh, I, I was, I was uh, recruiting. Uh, um, we just got a, a new co-leader for YVM Norway two years ago, and she, her name is Anne Helene. She's ex extremely gifted uh, public speaker. She 
she's been in YWAM for many years. She grew up in YWAM, but then she she left the organization of YWAM, but still feeling like a YWAMer. And she started this coaching um, ministry, um, you know, in her own name. And then I remember telling her, uh, trying to recruit her to join YWAM again. I said, so, so um, your perspective, I'm not asking you to, 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 to join YWAM for the sake of YWAM, but what if you use the platform that position can give to you to influence thousands instead of um, using the platform you have now? Um, you can actually continue to do what you're doing, but you do it within the framework of YWAM and, and you suddenly you have a platform where you can actually leave a deeper mark um, in society and, and in church. And I think, you know, I think if we invite people into leadership to administrate and to lead what we don't have capacity to lead ourselves, um, that's possible though. But I, I would say let's rather invite people into leadership in order to impact and transform society. I don't know, Johnny, if I'm just reflecting mm. here, but yeah, it has to do with perspective, I believe. Yeah, I guess... Yeah, the, no, it sounds good. I mean, I think, I, I think, I sometimes wonder about the trajectory is why when we grow quickly and then we plateau and then do we decline or do we keep going up? You know, Steve Mayers talks a lot about that. Um, and uh, it just seems like bases, bases come into existence because we have a vision for a nation. So we need a, a physical building. But a, a generation later, we now have a base and it's all about the base and we've forgotten actually why we came into being in the first place and even in this time in YWAM like in 60 years it's like it's like we need to we don't want to get rid of our bases but we need to remind ourselves what the bases are there for is that is that true in your experience oh yeah oh yeah very much true i mean i wrestle every day against the possibility of becoming institution it's it's the biggest stress for YWAM in Norway that we became that we become institutionalized that we become very very well organized uh, organization um, streamlined. I don't want to be too streamlined because I think that kills creativity. So I would rather have some chaos <laughs> um, instead of being too streamlined. Even though I think we are quite streamlined uh, compared to many others. Um, and, but it's a constant battle to not become institution, especially, you know, in our nation. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think Johnny, as you were saying, you know, um, the, the vision must be the nation. And uh, I think we just keep have to remind ourselves, you know, why we are here. And every, every new generation will need to hear that. It's easy, I think it was easier if you are the founder of something, you know, then it's very clear in your head, but then pass on mm. that whole vision to the next generation, it's something, mm. you know, that's, it needs to be owned on a heart level somehow. Yeah, yeah, it, it must be, but it's also, this, it's a constant fight because when, when you grow to a certain size as a base, you need to have systems in place. Yes. If you have, if you have 100 students a year, if you have a 50 staff or 100 staff, and yeah. you need to have those systems in order to be, you know, responsible. But if but we need to rule the systems, the systems cannot rule us. No. Then we are on a dangerous road yeah. to become an organization and to become a, an institution. But it's yeah. a constant battle because you actually, you need to do both at the same time. 
because we do need the systems, we do need the guidelines. Uh, for instance, with cars, you know, if you have eight, if you have a cars and you have a lot of 18 and 20 year olds that are driving cars, base cars, you need to have the guidelines in place for security and safety. At the same time, you don't want to have a, a, a rule that says only staff above 23 are allowed to drive cars. <laughs> so you need to, to juggle that. And it's not yeah. always easy. No, and that's where leadership teams come in, I suppose, as well, because there's, there's different gifts mm. in that. Yes, we have this um, very unique question we ask every time. Um, and uh, sorry, Johnny, did you have another question to go along? No, no, go, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we have this uh, this this famous question here. That is, uh, can you tell us of a significant mistake uh, in ministry that we can learn from? Something that. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the, do, that do we, wasn't need, difficult to answer. Oh, uh, do we need to give you some time to think about it? <laughs> yeah. No. 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 There is. There is a lot of. No, I've done. I've done a few. I've done a few. Only a few. Uh, no. But I think. I think the mistake. The mistake. Of, of, there are two mistakes I've done uh, about you know in leadership that are quite significant that I've learned from. And, and the first one is back in 2012. Um, it was the Olympics in England, in London. And, uh, and we wanted to use the Olympics as, you know, uh, to do evangelism. So we set the goal of sending uh, 1,000 Norwegians to, um, to, to England to, to do evangelism during the Olympics. And, uh, and I was very bold proclaiming 1,000 Norwegians to England and I, we did that publicly. Uh, in my mind, I've never thought that number was from God. It was just what I felt was a realistic estimate of what we could actually reach if we worked well and did, did well. Um, however, we did not get the traction in the nation. England and, and the Olympics in England was not attractive to, to youth. For some reason, I didn't understand. I thought the Olympics was attractive, but it wasn't. So we didn't get traction. And a half a year before the Olympics, people in YWAM started to question. So, Andreas, we decided for a thousand. They had understood me and they had heard me say, God has said 1,000 mm -hmm. Norwegians. I never heard that and I never thought that. It was just a goal. But they heard and they thought they thought it was a god-given goal it wasn't so when when three months before the olympics we just had 150 200 people signed up uh, and we ended up being 300 plus people a lot of our staff felt it was a failure because we we couldn't we didn't make it to a thousand we were actually just 300 um and i think the big mistake was that uh, when I understood and when I saw that we didn't reach that goal, I started to push very hard. So I started to, to tell the base leaders in Norway, you have to do this. We, I make the decision that every base need to recruit, every base must be a part of this, and I expect every base leader to be part of this outreach to England. And actually by by imposing this the the feeling of ownership decreased and because the owner ownership decreased i imposed even harder and i became tougher 
and I expected more. And the ownership decreased even more. So it became a vicious circle. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't clear in my communication that God had never said a thousand. It was just a goal I came up with. And actually, so I did many, many mistakes in this situation. First of all, the first mistake was that the number thousand was my idea. It wasn't our idea. I presented thousand publicly without have, having gone you know, through the right processes. Secondly, I, I communicated in such a way that people understood me. It was a God number. It wasn't a God number. Thirdly, I made a decision above the heads of my co-leaders. Um, which actually made them disengage from from the vision. So, so I think that uh, first of all, never impose things. Never, everything must be. All the leaders around me, I've learned now, need to hear from God themselves. So from since then, we've never have anything imposed in Norway when it comes to projects. It's it's like this. Okay, we I think we are doing this. Would you pray about joining? Uh, secondly, we would never use numbers in that way anymore as goals. Um, it's the impact that is the goal, not the number. Yeah. So, so a thousand became a goal, and it became almost divine. That's never numbers can never be a goal. It's an indicator. It's the impact we leave that is the goal. That's right. So, oh, that's important. Yeah. So, so and I can tell many stories like that. So in some <laughs> ways you're, you're talking about, yeah, yeah, it feels good. Thanks. Um, I think uh, as you're talking about it, I'm, I'm thinking of pull or push marketing. You know, you can push something on, on somebody or you can pull with a vision, a, a vision that draws. So you're drawing people with you. But this push marketing is not so much. No, no. I'm sure we all have done what you just did or told us, so yeah. thank you. Now, yeah. I know you've been pulling, I think, actually with a vision when it comes to the LTS as well, you know, and, and, uh, and people, they just came. We had one a few years ago where lots of people came, and there's a, another upcoming one. Can you just tell us, where, how is it going with that? Is it full? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's full. Yeah? We have 80. <laughs> Uh, I think we had eight. I think we had a limit of 80 students. Uh, I think we've accepted 85, if I have the right the numbers, because we accept, accept, accepted 85 because we think a few will pull out. So, um, but uh, it's 30 staff. It's very exciting. Excellent. Very exciting. Sweet. Good to wow. hear. What's the vision for the LTS, uh, Andreas? Like, how do you describe? I mean, a lot of people listening have heard about it or know about it. Like. How do you describe what it is? Well, I think quite quite simply, and I've said this so many times now that it starts to, to become a cliche, but um, but I say that talking for myself, um, it was the vision that got me started. It was the vision of the waves that made me join YWAM. And to be honest, I've had so many reasons to leave YWAM of poor leadership, of, of things that has happened. Uh, and I've been... Uh, disappointed several times but what made me remain in YWAM is all the relationships so so vision got me started relationships kept me going and I think this is the biggest outcome of the LTS that we establish a platform for base leaders and base leadership teams and emerging leaders pioneering leaders to actually build solid relationships that can last for decades
Mm. And I think this is probably the biggest outcome of the LTS. <laughs> to be honest, it's not the, it's not all the classroom teaching. That's that's a good thing as well. But it's it's all the you know relationships, praying together, mm. eating together. Yeah. 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 That's really good. I mean, I I think if I reflect on the early days of YWAM before I was born, probably before any of us were born, um, it does seem that that first generation developed very strong relationships that still exist 60 years later. And it sustained them in the mission for a long period of time. And um, yeah, I feel like those moments, I would say in my experience, probably the last 10 years has been Western European leadership gatherings. It's been a those every two years gatherings of 200 to 400 people have been have created a space where we get to know each other or see each other. Um, sadly, sometimes you don't see the person for another two years, but at least you're seeing them, you know? Um, so it sounds like the LTS, you're really onto something that is taking that a step further than not just one conference, but, you know, creating uh, a framework that's going to help relationships really grow and deepen for the future. Yeah, but not only relationship between leaders. I mean, you've probably seen this as well. You know, you've, we have um, young leaders um, emerging and then um, they get married to another leader and then they get children and they have a vision and a, a hope to, to remain with YWAM for the rest of their lives. But when they get children, and especially when children start uh, attending school, uh, one of the spouses, often the, the wife, quits going to the... Is, uh, conferences because she can't so she remains at home and then she after a few years she disconnects relationally and then after a while she could disconnect spiritually and then when the pressure is on financially at home because you know we live by you know through support and you know when the fridge is empty the bank account is empty and the, and the car is empty of gas you know what do you do then uh, and it's so easy to get a job to support yourself and suddenly um, you're out so I think also the LTS, what really drives me is to create a, a platform for couples to do things together. So we said we try to be family friendly in that sense. So it's not just for for one, it's not just for the husband or for the wife. We want both spouses to be involved. Even just one of them is a student. The other one can just come and hang out for the sake of relationships because we want to build sustainable. So, and I've seen way too many times um, we people have left YWAM because of uh, they can't do it as a family. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, Andres, I wonder if we could just come back to, uh, before we um, kind of wrap up the interview today, just touch on the, sub, the question of debriefing. Um, and I'd, I'd love you to give some practical examples of where you've seen that well or how, how do you do that with small things and bigger things and how do you lead a, a base or a team or a national leadership team into healthy debriefing yeah um, if I understand the term debriefing correct correctly I, I hope I do um, debriefing you also mean evaluation probably yeah, I guess it's, a, it's in that field yeah I mean there's yeah. different kinds I suppose yeah, like an individual coming from the field, they need to be debriefed, and it's a that can be a very healing experience of kind of speaking out stuff. But I suppose the process maybe I'm talking about is a bit more that process for a team to evaluate. Um, 
yeah what what was good what went wrong you know how do we get yeah. better yeah no i think i think every leadership team need to have it's 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 about the leadership culture you're a part of and and some some cultures in and outside of YWAM are they don't have a culture of being honest they they they, they speak of of the, the the victories but they don't speak about the loss and i think we need to establish a culture where we can speak openly and honestly about what is difficult have a culture where we actually say to one another that hey we had this goal this was our objective we didn't reach it uh, secondly we want to have an, a, a culture where we can disagree with one another on on a leadership level as base leaders base leadership teams that we actually that disagreements is a healthy thing at least to a certain degree it's a healthy thing where we can openly wrestle with you know disagreements uh, and i think disagreements when it's done well will create uh, friction and that friction can you know create energy that moves us forward so i'm not afraid of being i'm not afraid of disagreements i think that's healthy if it's done well and if it's happen happening in a mature context mm. so then um uh yeah, I think we, we, we try to evaluate uh, quite a lot. We try to debrief quite a lot. And, and we, we basically do that on, you know, where we lift up our objectives and says, hey, this was, this was what we wanted to do. Did we, did we reach our goals? And if we did, we celebrate. If we didn't, we still celebrate because it's important to always be glad. And then we ask ourselves the question, uh, why didn't we? What, and then what? can we learn from this? And I think that the last one is a very important question. What, what can we learn from, from what we, what we did? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's very good. But, but, it's, but it's about culture. It's really about culture. Yeah. Yes. Otherwise assessment can become a threat, you know, so yeah. you have to create that safety and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, environment. For and, it, yeah. and about maturity, you know? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Andreas. We come toward the, the end of our interview here, but we love to hear, uh, that's also a question we always ask, that's the book question. So what books have influenced you over the last maybe months, years, that you would like to recommend to us? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a reader, so I read maybe three books at the same time. <laughs> and if it's, if it's not uh, exciting enough, I'll just read half of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, so I'm, no, but I've I've read I'm reading one right now that is that is very I found very very encouraging and very I'm learning a lot. It's written by uh, an American Baptist um, leader called Ruth Haley Barton, and uh, the title of it is Pursuing God's Will Together. It's about uh, discernment in leadership teams, how leadership teams together can corporately hear from God. And um, that's been very, very helpful, very sound and very healthy, I believe. Um, I got to hear, hear about that book through another book I read, uh, just finished. That is a book that probably a lot of you have read or at least heard about. It's, it's written by uh, the New York-based pastor called Peter Scazzero. And the name of the title, the title of the book is The Emotional Healthy Leader. I've spent a long time reading that book. Um, you can read that book quickly or you can read it slowly. I've, I read it quickly uh, a few years ago, but now I've, I was reading it again slowly, applying uh, the wisdom in the book into my life. And it's been, it's been very, very good, very healthy. 
so those are the two books uh, I'm read and reading right now. And if you ask me in three months what book has impacted you the most, uh, I'll probably have two, two other books. <laughs> <laughs> Always Excellent. the latest, that is the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have two books that we can put on the Christmas tree. There you go. <laughs> now you know what, what you want for Christmas. <laughs> but thank you so much for, yeah, for joining us, Andreas. It has been very helpful and very enlightening. And what, what yeah. do we have come up next time? Um, yeah, well, I think it's we have a, a, a real good series of themes coming up in the next few months. Uh, one of the months we'll, we'll be looking at kind of mentoring and one about how to help develop healthy communities. And I think in January uh, we're looking at uh, entrepreneurship and thinking out of the box. Um, and, you know, just talking to you today, Andreas, you know, I mean, it just you're a good example of thinking out of the box and I love the conversation we've had today, really. I think there's so much more, and I, we could say, and I, and I guess that's the point of having a, the drop-in discussion in a week's time where a panel of leaders kind of get to wrestle with it. Like you said, so many things that could be unpacked, you know, like um, you said disagreement can create friction and that can propel you forward. You know, that's a healthy tension. But, uh, you know, the, there's so much we could say how if it's done well, you said, you know, but... Of course, I think so often it's challenging in teams and communities and how do we do that well? And, and, and I think you touched a lot on evaluating how we're just not sleepwalking into the future, intentionally setting goals. So, yeah, um, yeah there's a lot, of, a lot of really good stuff, Andreas. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, all the words that you've said and, yeah, your, your leadership and your vision and, your drive and uh, yeah, your your love for Europe—it's uh, contagious, and uh, we can all benefit from it. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Do you want to just say something about the send? Actually, just as we finish, we didn't really touch on that. But while there's maybe an audience listening, do, is that is it now a good time to say something? It's always a good time to say something, <laughs> from my perspective, at least. Yeah. We have. Um, we have rented the biggest indoor facility in Norway uh, for June 25th, 2022. Um, so we uh, hope to gather thousands of people from uh, Europe uh, for descent. And uh, Andy Bird, our, my good friend from Kona, Hawaii, is, uh, is behind it. And we are running the program together. So it will be a European flavor to it. And uh, it's very, very exciting. Um, so set the date june 25th it's not public so please don't post it on facebook it will we will go public on in march 25th i believe but uh, we are talking about it everywhere so it's not public but everyone knows <laughs> okay so june 25th that's yes. the date so also. put that in your in your diaries and try to think about how it might be possible for your team to go or to recruit some people from your church so it's not just a ywam event it's no, it's for it's for the body of Christ. Yeah, it is for the body of Christ. We have thirty organizations in Norway behind it. I'm working with just started to work with leaders in Sweden, Finland, as well, uh, hoping to to, uh, to go to uh, other nations in Europe, Germany, and the Netherlands, uh, to uh, and others, you know, to 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 recruit and to invite. And we have room for twenty seven thousand in that indoor facility. So, it's always room for more. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Great vision, Andreas. Thank you so much, and uh, and thanks for giving us your time. And thanks everyone for listening. 
And um, yeah, we'll see you in a week's time as a drop-in discussion. The, the, the LDX talks being uploaded onto the website. Check them out. Uh, blogs uh, and um, every month is different blogs have been put up. So lots of resources that are there to help your teams. Um, and uh, at the end of the month, we, we do the monthly roundup. Uh, Belinda is helping to facilitate that and just kind of gathering all the different things we've done in the month. So, yeah, stay focused. I hope uh, you have a – we all can, as YWAM, have a good Advent season as we prepare for the arrival, not just of Christmas Day, but of Jesus into our hearts and into the world afresh. So, yeah. Thanks, Andreas. Thanks, Tova. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Rosen, Rosen behind the scenes and Belinda who are helping to make this happen. So, yeah. See you later.